Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, Fire Emblem Warriors continues its descent into full-on waifu simulator. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about Nintendo's homage to the late Satoru Iwata, the Fire Emblem Warriors DLC, and then on Thursday, we're going to be talking about our... We're going to be doing a draft for our Smash Brothers fantasy lineup. Uh, but in the meantime, Mark, how you doing? Doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Not much to report. Everything's pretty much going as usual. Slow and steady. Slow and steady. Mm-hmm. Tortoise-like. Uh, yeah, absolutely. How about you? Uh, also tortoise-like. I spent a lot of the day yesterday drawing, which is not something that I do very well. Um, but I was concentrating so hard that I was getting those concentration sweats. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you're just like really focused on something. Yeah, like when you've eaten too much meat. No, it's not like that at all. It's not. That's that's meat sweats. That's a well documented thing. But actually, I haven't eaten meat in several years, so maybe I don't remember what that experience is like. Weather today, it's warming up. It's warming up a little bit. I was really trying to like force hoodie weather on us. Yeah, we're not there. We're not there. We're not. Th- I'm in shorts right now. Yeah, it's gonna be like ninety or something this week. Well, you know the sacrifices we make to live in the land of eternal summer. That's right. Our guest weather today is Billings, Montana. Um, they look like they are headed into fall. They've got some autumnal weather there. Yeah, uh, it's like 54 or was earlier. I don't know. It's a moving target, right? <laughs> well, sure. It's, it's a high 60s, low 50s. Uh, seems like they've got a decent amount of humidity, not a ton of rain. It's fall. It's fall. Sounds nice. They haven't fallen, Montana. Um, Mark, what have you been playing this week? Uh, so last week I picked up Thimbleweed Park and uh, SteamWorld Dig 2. That's right. You picked them both up. Yeah, I picked them both up, but SteamWorld Dig I haven't cracked it into yet. I think we talked about last week that I'm kind of real worried about getting a backlog. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I want. So I'm really trying to like uh, finish a title at a time. Right. So that way I'm can just kind of like work my way through it. Right. No guilt. Not get distracted. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So I w- have been playing quite a bit of Thimbleweed Park. I don't really know how far I am into it because I don't know how long this game is. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I don't really like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, enjoy- I'm enjoying it. It's uh, exactly what it promises, mm-hmm. which is a you know, like kind of throwback to that Maniac Mansion type of adventure game. Um, it, It's like, I don't know. I'm enjoying it. It, I'm trying not to use a guide. Oh, There's yeah. like an in-game hint system that is kind of cool. Um, I'm enjoying the graphics. How, I, how's the writing? It's, it's fun. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not voice acted at all, right? It is. It's, it's oh, completely it is. voice acted. Oh. You, can, you can turn it off. If you want, and I tried playing it that way a little bit, like each character, or I guess maybe not every character, but some of the characters definitely lean on 
um, other pop culture icons. Like, there's a clown in it named Ransom the Clown who's kind of, like, foul mouth. Okay. And to me, he sounds exactly like Krusty the Clown. Like, the voice acting does. Yeah, like, sure. Like, they're doing, like, a Krusty the Clown impression. But, uh, yeah, like, it's fun. It's pretty clever. Um, I don't know. It's, like, on the Switch, it's $10 more than it is on, like, you can also get it on, like, an iPad or iPhone. And so for it's, half the price. Yeah, ten dollars on on other platforms. And as much as I'm enjoying it on the Switch, I I think it's very possible that like PC or iPad or something like that is maybe a better platform for it. Are, so are, are you playing it with uh, touch controls? I'm or? not, and okay. that actually may make a huge difference. I've been playing it on the TV, and you you know you basically control the cursor like uh, using the left joystick, mm-hmm. and it's fine but i wish i could that's not a fun way to play that yeah and i wish that in the settings i could like finesse the sensitivity yeah but you can't and um yeah all i mean all this to say is i am enjoying it Mm -hmm. and the puzzles are really clever like in that regard it has definitely lived up to my expectations and also it you can't lose like you can't die and you can't dead end so once you hit a puzzle, it really is just like trying to figure out like how do I move past this? Yeah. How do I solve this? Um Yeah, I mean it's a solid B. All I right, guess. all right. If we were giving rankings, which we Which don't. we never do no, and we never will. Not. If we were, this one if would be If we a, were, it would be a B. It would be a B. But we're not. We would use a letter grading system. <laughs> if we did. Upsetting the entire industry <laughs> who doesn't give letter grades to anything. <laughs> uh, so you say like a soft recommend on that one? Yeah, I mean, um, there's also a hard and casual mode, and I've been playing on hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it is potentially approachable for people who have never played a point and click adventure game like this before, but it is definitely made to cater to fans of the of that like um genre. Yeah. So if it's something that you like, I would definitely recommend it. Well, what can can you uh describe a little bit like the um environment that the story is told in oh, or like sure. the sort of so like setting of it? It's kind of like a uh slash between Twin Peaks, X-Files type thing. Okay. So Thimbleweed Park is this small town in what seems to be, you know, like the Pacific Northwest of the United States. And the whole thing, at least so far, takes place in perpetual, um, like, sunset. Okay. So it's, it's surprisingly beautiful. I wasn't expecting it to be, like, as rich and colorful as it is. And the music is really great. And... Um, so you there are like five different characters you play as or again so far mm-hmm. that you play as at different points in the game, and um, I guess like the main characters, for lack of a better term, are these two federal agents who are there to investigate a murder. It so, sounds exactly like Twin Peaks. Yeah. So the so the game opens with a like a corpse, and then. You know, it's a strange small town mm-hmm. where weird things are going on. A lady is carrying a log around, <laughs> and and you are like trying to solve this murder. But but, um, that is only like. And then there are other characters like Ransom the Clown and things like that who you will play as in flashbacks and in the present day. Uh, I guess I don't want to give away too much. Yeah, about no, the story I think I think happens. that's that that's a pretty effective tease. Like um, it's I am 
interested. Yeah, now. it's worth picking up if it sounds interesting. I don't know that the Switch is necessarily mm. the best platform for it. Sure, especially if you've got like an iPad to play it on. Yeah, or and yeah. it seems a little buggy on the Switch mm. in like small uh, ways that don't really affect the gameplay, but it's like I had set certain settings and then went to play something else. And then when I came back, all those settings had been reset. Oh, so I just had to like right. do it myself. Just like things like that, where it's like not really a big deal, but um, you can tell it wasn't, I, I guess like, like optimized. optimized. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of speaks to your complaint about like not being able to adjust the thumbstick sensitivity that like, you know, allowing you to play with the thumbsticks is like an afterthought. Be like, Oh, you should be able to do that. And, and, I maybe I should try doing it in handheld mode because mm-hmm. maybe that would um improve my experience, which again is not a bad one. I am enjoying the game and I'm looking forward to finishing it uh whenever that is because again I don't know how far right. I no am way into to know, it. there's no way to know. Um and then at that point you assume that you will move on to SteamWorld Dig 2. Yeah, which I've been hearing great things about and I'm ex- am super excited to play through. Yeah, me too. And I that is my um like game for next week. Um, because I'm I'm uh, hungry for Metroidvania at the moment. I this last week uh, completed uh, Metroid: Samus Returns, and then I went back into it and 100%ed it because I wanted to finish the game. <laughs> so, over, uh, how long did it take you to 100% it? Uh, so, by, my play clock at 100% was like 14 hours and 20 ish minutes, something like that. 14 and a half hours to 100%. Um, which I felt pretty good about for like the first time through uh, the game. I refused to look up anything uh, all, all the way through, so it felt like a very I felt like accomplished in it. Um, I love the the very first Aeon power that you get um, that allows you to like see which blocks are vulnerable and gives you like a little bit extra view of the map. Um, I think like that's the I don't think I've ever one hundred percented a Metroid game before. Um, and that ability allows you to actually, it lets secrets be discoverable. Whereas I feel like in a lot of other Metroid games, they're just not, right? Like, is it fun to bomb every conceivable square on the screen? Not really. Is it fun to just like hit a button and see like, oh, there might be something down here? Yeah, that's more fun. Um, so yeah, I, uh, and the, the difference between me beating the game and me 100%ing the game was really only like an hour and a half. Um, cause I did a like late in the game, uh, kind of comprehensive backtrack. Um, and you know, even, even when you're like right up next to the end of the game, um, like going into that last fight with the queen Metroid spoiler, there's a queen Metroid, um, that there are still things in like the first area that you can't unlock, um, that there are items in this game that are strictly post game that you cannot get until you've beaten the game. Um, so like 100%ing the thing actually requires you to finish the story first and then um, like go around and pick up the, the remaining items. Oh, and can you do that after, like without, I guess, like going into hard mode or whatever? Like once you complete the game, mm-hmm. you can go yes. back in and explore. Is it like Breath of the Wild where it just resets you to right before the last boss? Sort of thing? Uh, no, so, because you, well, sort of. So the, the, there's, the, there's the Queen Metroid. Um, I'm not going to, there, there is like a kind of a, a twist at the end, and I'm not going to give away what, what the twist is. Um, but 
there is a twist. Sorry if that's too much of a spoiler. <laughs> um, but so you you beat the Queen Metroid and make your way back to your ship, um, and something happens. And uh, after you beat the game, it places you back to before that something happens. Gotcha. I've heard that they're like the end of Samus Returns has potential implications for if there was a Metroid 5. It's not really potential implications. It really all it does is uh th- there's a a post credit sequence um that just shows the X parasite um which is featured in Metroid Fusion uh infecting a um you know some local wildlife on SR388 the planet that you're on which is canonically where Samus first comes into contact with the parasite anyway. So it's like it's just it's like a tease for something that was revealed ten years ago. You gotcha. know what I mean? Okay. So like it's not it, it's not anything. It's it's not it had would have very little effect on a uh, Metroid Five. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the Metroid Amiibo. They came in the mail. Um, well, I was playing the game this week. Um, and I fully enjoy squishing this Metroid Amiibo. Yeah, yeah. For if you you should if you listener are not familiar with what the Metroid Amiibo looks like, you should Google it so you have a clearer idea of what we're talking about. But it's like a Metroid mm-hmm. attached to a broken like canister container. It's strange because this is clearly a scene from like Super Metroid, right? But anyway, <laughs> is it a bank tube, like a pneumatic tube? Like yeah, it's container, a pneumatic, pneumatic tube. tube. I'm about to deposit the Metroid. <laughs> um, but so the Metroid is like clinging to the outside of this broken tube, and it's squishy. Right. the The membrane of the um, amiibo is like a, a softer plastic. It's not quite rubbery, um, but it it does give a lot, and you know, it just sort of stops when you get to the sort of like guts of of the metroid but one of the things that i was i i mean i think i knew this about it but was sort of disappointed to discover that it it's just the inside of the metroid is just air yeah that was a huge bummer for me too i wanted it to like be a squishy ball yeah like a stress relieving thing yeah that was my expectation even when i like saw videos of it that was my expectation yeah and then i saw it sitting on your counter and we were talking before we started recording and i like went over Right, Mark, just stop, stop having conversation with me. I did a little gasp. Right. I really, like, uncontrollable. <laughs> Made a beeline for, for the Metroid. Uh, and then squished it and was slightly disappointed. Yes. I mean, look, it's a great amiibo. Right. It's, it's super a solid fun. B. Yeah. <laughs> if we were giving grades, and which we're not, we don't. And we are not. No. Uh, but I think I let my expectations get ahead of the reality. I have a persistent fantasy that I can like get a syringe and fill it with some sort oh, of if goo. It were, if it were airtight, that would be amazing. And just like jam it full of the goo to make it more like a stress ball. The yeah. thing is, you know you're gonna get like a bubble in there of right. some kind. Oh, what a nightmare. Yeah, what a nightmare. It would be great if you could mod your amiibo. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um also it would be I understand that, like, there are some things that don't make any sense, would make no sense at all, but there's a, you know, he's on this pneumatic tube, like we were describing, uh, and it looks like it's glass, but obviously it's not, because it's irresponsible to sell a toy that has jagged glass components, Um, but that would also be cool to upgrade him to a a little glass uh, tube. Yeah, I think it looks good, though. It does look good. It looks convincing. 
It's just disappointing. To <laughs> Convincing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I believe that's a Metroid. All right, that's what we've been playing this last week. Uh, let's get into the new releases and therefore what we might be playing uh, next week. <laughs> So on September 26th, which is today? Yes. Yeah. That's right. Um, at long last, Sign More X is released on the Switch eShop. This was a game that I think was released on all the other platforms back in, I want to say, July or August. We've been saying that this thing is coming out next week for Forever. a couple weeks, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is one of those games. One of those games. But it is actually coming out uh, today. And then tomorrow is Arcade Archives versus Mario Brothers. Um, I'm into it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to pick it up. Oh, yeah? I am excited. Uh, I think it's eight bucks. Does that seem unreasonable it, to you? It seems high, but I'm going to Because how I'm much are the Neo anyway. Geo ones? Eight bucks. Oh, wow. I don't yeah. think I realized that. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the same cost. Um, and like that, that is too much. Uh, for what is just Mario Brothers, but like a slightly different version of it. Um, but like all of these games are versus games, right? So they're all like two-player simultaneous, um, fun versions of these games. I guess not. They're not all simultaneous. That's I spoke too soon. <laughs> but in that way, I think uh, Mario Brothers is a good launch for this sort of thing mm-hmm. because I don't think I'm going to pick it up. But if my boyfriend, I guess fiance, showed any interest in playing it. Then yeah, I would uh spend the eight dollars for that. Yeah, it also I mean that that seems like a one of those great like use case scenarios for the Switch of like you have it with you, you're out at a bar, let's play Mario Brothers. It's like going to a bar and suddenly there's an arcade there, yeah, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. And then on September twenty eighth, the Switch eShop exclusive golf story is coming out. Hey! So this How many games am I buying this week? Because <laughs> I'm totally getting Golf Story. Yeah, so Golf Story has gotten a weird amount of, like, press from Nintendo. They've been kind of, like, pushing it. Yeah. I mean, not, like, aggressively, but they have been hyping it up. It's been part of the Nindy Directs. They've been so- talking about it. Is it TGS? But I don't think the developer has done anything before this. Yeah. So it's... I don't know. It's really interesting. It could be a crash and burn situation. I don't know because they are, Nintendo has been so behind Mm -hmm. it. It doesn't seem like they would be doing that. I mean, it has a channel on the, uh, like switch news uh, section. uh, Remind me, because I I don't remember, um, is this a Switch exclusive I or think is it, it is. first on Switch? I think it's an exclusive. I think that's right too. That's what I wanted to say. I mean, why would Nintendo throw like, whatever money after it you would have to to make it exclusive if it weren't a good product i'm happy you're picking it up because i'm excited to hear what it's like because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i like in theory the idea of a golf rpg like that seems fun to me it's so crazy yeah and then september 29th of course is the super nintendo classic edition right which means of course that a new super nintendo game is being released this friday yeah star fox 2 mm-hmm um super excited for the snes classic edition yep uh also fifa 18 comes out on the switch and there's gonna be a big new update for super mario run remember super mario run mark not only do i remember super mario run i was playing it on the couch earlier this evening no way yeah like 
because you had seen this news item about it. And so you were like, huh, that's a thing. I remember now. Yeah. And I remember that uh, a couple months ago, we talked about um, the fact that they had lifted the toad cap from 9,999 to 99,999. And I was like, oh, I can, like, the update doesn't come out until this Friday, but I can spend some time, like, grinding away on it and upping my and i realized i hadn't finished unlocking the red yoshi yet all the other yoshis i had unlocked <laughs> but this red one who came a couple months later he's still locked yeah it's a and it's a pretty big update for yeah. super mario run yeah, as let's well. talk about it let's talk about it so it includes a new mode which is called remix 10 that kind of reminds me of like the super or the nes remix things mm-hmm. and, and maybe just a name only i mean the word remix is <laughs> but, that i would draw a direct line between them but basically what it is is 10 short like micro just like segments of um of levels mm-hmm. that are back to back to back and you run through all 10 and if you die in one it just like keeps going okay so basically what they make it sound like is a way for people to familiarize themselves with the levels and not have to worry about like dying and stuff like that okay um the oh daisy is being added as a playable character yeah and she will have a double jump cool which seems like it'll be pretty helpful i like that she's not just a peach clone yeah uh there's a whole new nine levels that'll be unlocked once you finish all the stages in worlds one through six now that's a lot because each of the worlds only has four levels. So, like, a new world that has nine levels in it, that's a whole, like, two plus a little bit more. It's a lot of extra content. Yeah, it is a lot of extra content. Um, actually, uh, and while I'm excited to try that out, the thing I am most excited about is they are adding the ability for you to play your own music. Now, that is nice. Can we also listen to our own podcast? I would assume so. Yeah. And the second greatest thing about this is when you are listening to your own music or podcast while you're playing this, the in-game characters have headphones on. I love it. Why? It's fun. I'm so now, into it. Is is the implication that they have headphones on because they're listening to your music? Yes. Or is the implication that they're hearing just like whatever music you're playing, uh, you know, Weezer's Blue Album, uh, like trumpeting from the sky and they need to drown it out with Mario music. Uh, probably the first, but I like okay. the implications of the second better. Though we're just like terrorizing the Mushroom Kingdom right. by our existence. And they're like, no, I need that, 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 that. And with the launch of all this new content on the 29th, the game will be available for uh, 50% off. So for the r- next two weeks, what it was ten ten dollars. Okay. So now it'll be like four ninety nine, five dollars, um, for people who want to pick it up. And I think especially for five bucks, if you have not picked mm-hmm. it up yet, it's w- worth trying out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you slept on this game in in the first place, like I think five bucks is a totally reasonable price to pay for it, especially with this new content. I also just think in general with all this new content coming to Super Mario Run. I just think it's funny to remember like when this game was released initially in like November or December of last year. Yeah. And it felt so important to the future of Nintendo. Yeah. Because, you know, the Switch hadn't been fully revealed yet Mm -hmm. and people were still kind of down on it. And uh, investors and analysts had been harping on Nintendo for 
uh, to start doing mobile content for a really long time. And this was like their first big effort. And it really felt like there were stakes to it. And now that the Switch has come out and is a success and like Nintendo's stock prices. Yeah, it seems like it doesn't matter. Yeah, like it's just like, oh yeah, remember that Animal Crossing game that was supposed to come out? last fiscal year and never did and we haven't heard anything about it like nobody cares well the the thing that's so weird about it is that like fire emblem heroes has been making money hand over fist people continue to play it and pump money into it all the time um and it's getting regular updates just sort of you know it's a mobile game it's it's doing what a mobile game does um and i think by maybe not all accounts but by our experiences with it that like um super mario run is a pretty good game um but maybe just not the most effective way to monetize a game on the app store right um where like the opposite is true with heroes that um that's the more successful thing that both you and i spent a couple hours with and we're like okay i get it i don't i don't need to spend any more time with this um and then yeah just to not see uh, like which of those lessons they're going to take forward into whatever the next thing is. It's supposedly Animal Crossing, but we haven't heard anything about that in forever. I still think we're going to hear about the Animal Crossing uh, mobile game when we hear about the Switch uh, Animal Crossing game. Like I think they'll be, um, they'll talk to each other. They'll have some sort of connectivity. I mean, I definitely think they will have some sort of connectivity, but I just wonder how far out the Animal Crossing Switch game is. Mm, and Animal Crossing Mobile was supposed to be like a product that came out last fiscal year, which ended in March. Yeah. So, I mean, I know that they announced that it was going to be delayed, but that was the initial plan. So, I mean, but again, who knows what has happened behind the scene? <laughs> yeah. And who cares? Who cares? Mark, let's get out of the new releases. And now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, where a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, let's talk about frequent flyer miles. Are you a member of any like frequent flyer mi- mile clubs? I am, but I am a frequent forgetter of my frequent flyer programs. Yeah, same here. Uh, I usually end up buying a ticket and then being like, ah, crap. (laughs) But you can usually go back and, like, add your information later and, like, get points. Um, Get points. I don't... (laughs) I I feel like I am bad at uh, reward programs. I also don't really fly frequently enough, too. Yeah, like, I feel like... Uh, and so I'm the same way. I don't fly all that often. And it's not like I fly for work or anything. Yeah. So when I do fly, I'm pretty price sensitive. Yes. You know, and so I'm not really loyal to one airline or the other. So I think I have member like rewards memberships or frequent flyer memberships with a lot of airlines. Yeah. But I think I just keep signing up for them because I don't right. remember. That's the nightmare, right? When you're like, oh, yeah, I'll I'll sign up. I'll sign in with my account here, and you're like, I assume this is my username. I assume this is my password. Oh, those don't match your records. Now I have no idea what to do. And then you can just keep creating accounts into infinity. 
Um, are there any loyalty yeah. programs that you are like that you have bought into? Mm. And by that I mean like not necessarily paid for, but that you like use frequently and find helpful. I don't know. Um, I mean, not really that I see, like, I get cash back with my credit card. I like that. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not good at, there are, like, some quarters where it's, like, spend money at, uh, you know, grocery stores or at restaurants or gas stations. Um, and I don't make a specific point to, like, spend more money at those places. Um, and it's also just so broad. Like, anything you buy with your credit card, which is just everything I buy, right? Um, so not real like I've got a Best Buy Rewards card. Um, I think that's that's really. Do do you have any? I mean, I have use? all the grocery store ones. Yeah, I but that I too. don't think they're tied to anything. You know what I mean? Like because I think I got them, mm-hmm. but never filled out any paperwork or, you know, never registered the card. Yeah. So, it's. I don't think it's tied to anything. You know, like, if they wanted to mail me something, I don't know that they could. <laughs> and, I, so, yeah. Yeah, and I, I know a lot of those, like, grocery store ones are, like, you get the discount at, like, at the store, which is one thing. But also, like, if you don't have a card, they'll just, like, scan the dummy card anyway. And you go, oh, thanks. And they're like, I don't care. <laughs> um, but, like, also, they'll just, like, spit out more coupons at the register. And it's like... I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw that coupon even if it's a coupon I could use. Don't you feel like you are like of course wasting so much of money because I don't use coupons at all. <laughs> even when they're four things I would normally buy, I'm not going to hang because like if I just bought toilet paper, example toilet paper, it's gonna spit out like a thing for toilet paper, and like what am I gonna hang on to that for like three months <laughs> until I need to buy toilet paper again? I'd buy toilet paper in bulk. <laughs> Uh, are so there are also like the rewards programs where you have to s- pay money to be mm, a part of them. Mm-hmm. Like Barnes and Noble has one, uh, GameStop has theirs. Right. Uh, I ha- I Best have Buy been. has like the oh. Mm-hmm. Um, those are always harder sales for me, even though I know, you know, like the math does work out. Yeah, that it's you're just spending hard money. for me to be like upfront to be like, okay, here's like thirty dollars or something. So. In defense of the Best Buy one, which I am a member of, um, although that's different from my reward points with Best Buy, um, you just get the 20% off on all video games and uh, Amiibo fall under that. Um, so I, I paid for it once and I've already gotten the money just from like, you know, two games and a handful of Amiibo. That's all. I'm already saving that money. I don't have to like, uh, you know, gather points together in order to like cash them in for anything so yeah for for me that that one really worked out what about any like a restaurant or like sandwich places or coffee where like you have you know 10 then you get one free or oh yeah i don't i don't think i i can't think of the last time i used one of those yeah and i think it's because i just don't like having all that stuff on my phone because yeah. I feel like it's all tracked through, like, apps now. Sure. And it's like, I don't need, uh, I don't know. like You don't need, like, a Potbelly app on your phone? Yeah. Potbelly was a weird pull. We don't have them in Southern California. <laughs> Let's change it to Witch Witch. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, right. yeah, I don't, I don't, well, we'll never know. Well, we will, in fact, never know. We were accompanied today by the Victoria Orchestra, as conducted by Tanya Miller.
Mark, let's uh, get into the, get into the news. So, of course, the SNES Classic Edition comes out this Friday. Woo! I am so pumped mm-hmm. for this thing. Um, and shipment numbers for the launch are starting to come in from yeah. like different stores' inventory systems. And it looks like Nintendo is following up on their promise to have a lot of these in stores for launch. This is pretty exciting to see these kinds of numbers. So, so yeah, good Yeah, get, yeah. Get into so, it. in LA for Best Buys, uh, stores are getting anywhere from 210 units to the max I saw was 372. So just to put that into, so 372 is the ceiling on that, right? That I've seen, yeah. Right. Um, so I recently went back and listened to our episode about the NES Classic. And, you know, I went on an epic journey that day. Uh, if you want to hear my epic journey, you can listen. It's like episode six of the podcast. Um, and uh, I was talking about like how many um how many units like the best buy that sarah stood in line for um and like the target that i went to and those were like 65 83 and this is like three to four times as much well and that was a lot compared to what other places in the country got and i'm sure even stores in southern california and so of course like la is a little bit different than if you live in a more like less of an urban area. Yeah. But and I'm sure some of the 372 are pre-orders, you mm-hmm. know, that are being sent for fulfillment. All the like all those caveats aside, it seems like there are going to be a lot more yeah, Super NES Classic editions at launch than there ever were for the NES Classic editions, which again tracks with what Nintendo has promised. Yeah. And I mean, th- I think this will be an interesting just like test case, right? Of like um, we had this bad experience with the NES Classic, and then Nintendo was like, we're going to do a Super NES Classic, and every every story about this thing was, you know, comments were just like, I'm never going to get one, blah, 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 blah. And there's been so much negativity around, like, the pre-orders, um, and then Nintendo just to step out and be like, no, you, they're going to be available. You You are going to have them. If they can actually make good on that, and it seems like they might be able to, that maybe it undoes all of that like built-in negativity. And that's what I'm I'm hopeful that they are will that they will be more readily available because I would really like for people like, you know, people in my family yeah. to be able to or like friends that are interested in it but not like inter- crazy so yeah. interested that they're going to uh camp outside of a Best Buy for like 4 hours in order to get one. We'll be able to pick one up this holiday cuz I think it's will be super fun for people to have. Just like I think the NES Classic Edition will be super fun for people to have when it comes back in 2018. Yeah, I'd like to get one of these for my brother for Christmas. That and you know that was my plan last year too. Um, obviously, it didn't happen, <laughs> but I think I uh, have a chance this year. Yeah, it's really exciting. Also, just like a small tidbit that has kind of come out now that previews are beginning to come out for the system. Uh, press has received their units, and so people have been able to mess around with them is because they do just use the Wii controller port like the mm-hmm. NES Classic Edition did. You can you can use a SNES Classic Edition controller on the NES Classic Edition. Perfect. And you and vice versa. Um which is kind of great because the SNES Classic Edition cords are like 2 feet longer. 
Yeah. Than the NES Classic Edition, which is, a, is which is nice. Right. Because those are pretty short. They're short chords. Also, for as much as the like form factor of the NES controller inspires a lot of nostalgia for me, um, it's got those corners. Oh yeah, it's a pain. It's not very comfortable to right. hold. It's a pain. Right. It literally painful. Yeah, the SNES I'm, is a great controller. Oh yeah, so love it. Nice to have that back. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so there are no official plans for Final Fantasy 15 on Switch. And then this includes Final Fantasy 15 Pocket Edition. I guess. Who knows? Everything, nothing matters anymore. <laughs> this is like the fourth clarification that has come out about like Final Fantasy 15 on Switch. Uh-huh. So who knows even more? I really feel like next week it'll be announced. Right. Uh, <laughs> that it's coming. Coming in November. <laughs> so, basically what happens, and this isn't that uncommon, but um, the game's director, uh, is it H- Hajima? Uh, uh, yeah, ha- uh, Hajime Tabata? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just hear him referred to as Tabata. Yeah. Frequently, so. so, he says that, do you remember back at Gamescom when... That's when, like, the first teases came out about this. That's when they were doing, like, a Twitch stream, and he was like, a console that sounds like Twitch. Right? Right. Which, to me, is not a very stealthy hint. No. Well, so he was saying that that was all misinterpreted, and that they are doing, like, tests. Language barrier, man. <laughs> that they're doing technical tests on the Switch, mm-hmm. um, you know, with, like, Unreal Engine and all that kind of stuff to see what's possible and that they really like the system, which is clear from Square Enix's uh, support so far, mm-hmm. but that Final Fantasy XV, which of course does not run on a platform, on like a, um, on an engine, an engine yeah. that is officially supported on Switch as far as we know. I can't even remember how that sentence began. Right. <laughs> Neither. That, it's, it's not a statement that like, that's something that they're working on. Right. 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 I mean, I think, I think it makes sense that Tabata was just like on this stream and was just talking as himself and not like as an official representative of Square Enix. And, you know, he didn't realize that we were going to be like, he announced that Final Fantasy 15 is coming to Switch, Um, which is maybe a reasonable thing, you know, to just be like, yeah, we're interested in, in the, in the platform. And it would be cool if the thing, same Stuff that we say, right? Like, it would be cool if it came to Switch. Yeah. Like, we've, I have the opportunity to play Final Fantasy 15 right now if I wanted to, and yeah. I do not want to. I'm not gonna. <laughs> but if it was released Switch. on Switch, I actually maybe buy it because I'm a sucker. Mm-hmm. I have a copy of Persona 5 sitting on my shelf for, for the PlayStation 4, and I have not played it since our initial uh, play session. And uh, if it came out on Switch tomorrow, I would buy it. I would buy it too, even though I did not (laughs) love my experience playing through the little bit that we played on the PS4. Mm -hmm. Uh, But man, what a roller coaster this Final (laughs) Fantasy 15 thing has been. What a roller coaster. So we talked last week and maybe even the week before, time has no meaning anymore. That's right. About the flat circle. Remember that? Remember when we we used to say time is a flat circle? Remember when that was fun? That was really fun. Yeah. Anyways, a few weeks ago, we talked about NES Golf potentially mm. being hidden somewhere in the Switch's firmware, and then somebody had claimed that they, were, that they were able to initiate it, but it was all really, like, murky, 
around like it seemed to involve something with Satoru Iwata. Yeah. And and we were like picks or get out. Yeah, and it was very like it has some, you know, like you have to do a special motion on a specific day and it all just seemed very like like fanboy nonsense. Mhm. But it turns out that it's actually true. And it's crazy. That and it's cr- like really awesome. Uh yeah, so it uh the the details of it are on June eleventh, um, you July eleventh July eleventh sorry, um, which is the a- anniversary of uh, Iwata's passing. Um, you do the with the Joy-Con separated. You do the kind of uh, direct to you motion that he would make with his hands in Nintendo Directs, um, and it launches uh, NES Golf, which is a game that he famously coded um, as a young developer at Nintendo. Um, and when it boots up, mm-hmm. it uh, has audio of Iwata saying the Japanese word for direct. Perfect. Uh, and then you get to play the play NES Golf. So you can't rush out and do this on your system just by setting the date to July 11th. Mm-hmm. Um, it so far it looks like it's only cap- like uh, able to happen on Switch firmware 1.0.0, and also you can't have ever like you can't spoof it because it's by like the switch's internal clock which uh actually starts or knows what day it is um and it's not based on like your wi-fi or anything right so if you ever connected to the internet if you ever connected your switch to the internet it would uh like ruin that internal clock right and so you can't fake it that's why you can't fake it so here's my question um in subsequent updates, has it been taken out of the systems? No I, one knows until I don't think until we July eleventh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll be trying that on July eleventh, right? Yeah, but it's just so cool. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's a nice little like that. Like here, here's a piece of uh, Iwata programming to kind of watch over this device uh, in his absence. You know, because um, obviously they'd been developing this hardware uh, while he was alive, and as part of like the companies like greater course correction from you know the late days of the wii and the wii u um so yeah it's it's a like i don't know if it's like part tribute to him and part like his spirit is watching over this thing i don't know it all seems it all it makes me happy there was a new video release this week by um videographer i don't know how you internet personality i'd say sure fine yeah liam robertson uh, he released a video that revealed a Pilot Wings game that had been in development by the late developer Factor Five for the Wii. Okay. So while in- initially pitched as a Pilot Wings game, after Nintendo passed, development continued under uh, the name Wii Fly, and eventually, or like Wii is in the console mm-hmm. Fly, and then eventually just W E Fly. Um, the game was eventually canceled when the publisher Factor Five signed with went under but there were some crazy crazy planned features in this version of pilot wings okay tell me about these features because right now mark you're telling me there was a pilot wings game and it was canceled and my interest level is at like zero (laughs) okay so because you're starting at pilot wings yeah so i had a head tracking peripheral okay like head tracking peripheral glasses that factor 5 wanted nintendo to release as like an official wii peripheral and so basically what these did was you would put the glasses on, and then as you moved your head, the Wii would track your head's movement. 
and so it would like move the camera as well in game okay and this is the camera on the tv that's in front of you but maybe to the right of your head as you're turning away from it explain to control the camera okay so i'm sitting in front of my tv Uh uh-huh right uh and i want to turn the camera in game to the left Uh uh-huh so i turn my head to the left now i'm looking at the wall to the left side of my <laughs> I don't think you have TV. to I don't think you have to like it's not like VR where you'd have to like fully turn your head. I oh, think you if think you it's just like, like little little motions. Yeah, I assume it's just like little motions. Mm. So that's kind of crazy. That is a crazy peripheral, yeah. They were working with Nintendo on Wii Weather Channel integration. Oh. So so if you were in the game, the way the game was set up was uh you would fly to different you could fly to different real-life locations. There might be, like, San Francisco, New York City, Paris, Tokyo. And uh, with this integration, if it was sunny in Paris but raining in New York, it, you know, that's how it would appear in-game. That's really cool. It also had a full, like, day-night cycle. So if you were playing at night, it would be nighttime. If you were playing during the day, depending on where you were, right. it would be day. That is pretty cool. It weirdly, like... I, I guess if you're going to these locations, that it's different. But, like, you know, if we are playing in L.A. all the time, we're just going to get the, like, sunny day too hot. Right, right, right. So it'd be, yeah. like, in-game locations. Got so it. if it was, like, nighttime here, but you flew to London, right. then, it would, then it would be daytime. daytime. And, and foggy. And foggy, of course. And it would it encompass, like, the entire globe. So obviously not every city in the world was right. accounted for. But major cities were accounted for, and it was uh, there was no loading. It was just completely kind of like open world. So you could fly from London to Paris to Tokyo, and you would never encounter loading screens. It was all streaming in. So that would be enough to save the Pilot Wings franchise for me. Yeah, I, think. I don't really care about Pilot Wings either. Right. It's just ne- it's never been a franchise that like did anything for me. It's one that I barely understand. <laughs> I've I've played the original Pilot Wings for like two levels, and in the second level, I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what to do here. <laughs> I don't know what it wants from me. But this like this version actually sounds kind of perfect for the Wii. Yeah, and perfect for like the Wii audience. We're yeah, just kind of like, ah, oh, it's just a nice flight simulator. Yeah, the, it's it's got that like blue ocean quality to it. Never to be. Hmm. Uh. Okay. Fire Emblem Warriors DLC. Has been announced. Fire What's Emblem- your excitement level for Fire Emblem Warriors? Mm, let's say that my Hyrule Warriors hype level uh-huh. back when that was being released uh, was like a four. Okay. I'd say I'm at a five for this. Yeah, I'm a feeling kind bit, of like, yeah. like, don't really care that much about it. And uh, I think part of it is that I don't have a lot invested in Fire Emblem as a franchise. Right, like the history of it or the characters, right. or, or uh, Musou games either. Yeah. yeah, and so and that's definitely who they who it's like appealing to, mm-hmm. and that's very apparent in the DLC. <laughs> so there's three DLC packs. The first one is in uh, comes out this December, and the way they're describing these are like they're the DLCs are based around specific games. So the appeal seems to be like if you are a fan of this Fire Emblem game. This is the DLC for you. So the first one in December is inspired by Fire Emblem Fates. Right. Uh, the second DLC pack, which is set for February 2018, is Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon. 
And then the third DLC pack, which is March 2018, is around Fire Emblem Awakening. So this is strange to me because most of the characters that have been announced for this game already are either like the big ones, right? Like Marth and Ike and, you know, the, the characters that you see in Smash Brothers or slash and uh, characters from Awakening and uh, Fates. So like, it seems like they already have these bases covered. And then Shadow uh, Shadow of the Dragon, that's a remake of the original Fire Emblem, So right? that's why, again, to me, it feels very much like this is for, especially the DLC is for fans that are, like, really fans. Because, yeah, like, what characters are they going to pull? Like, yes, what recognizable cuts, characters yeah. are they going to pull? And I think also, when they say inspired by... I don't know that everything will just be from these oh, games, okay. that, that but I sense. think it's going to be like the focus, like the big features will be based on those games. It could also just be like battles too. I haven't seen any like story trailers for oh, yeah, that's a Fire great Emblem point. Warriors. So like, I don't know if they're taking, like, I think any you of the have in, like the directs or like the ET. For, E3 I haven't watched any of yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Cause like uh, uh Hyrule warriors had a, a really involved storyline that like wove together three different like Zelda timelines. So that Skyward Sword, um, Oh geez, a Twilight Princess and the Ocarina of Time, like universes were all like in- intertwined, but like they were literally hopping between universes, right? Um, and like universal travel is like part of that. Uh, so I wonder if that's going to be part of this, or if there's like a, a rationale for characters being like lifted out of one time period and put into another. I think there definitely is. I think there's a very involved story. Um, and I think it, it, like, the story around it is very Fire Emblem-y. Like, there's, you know, like, it involves twins. Right, I, You know, sure. just kind of like what I'm vaguely uh, remembering. War. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yes, I'm sure there is a story. But, again, I have, like, the Zelda one, even though I don't know the story of Hyrule Warriors, like, I know the things you're referring to. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. This, with a lot of this Fire Emblem stuff, it's just all gibberish to me. Right, yeah. So, well, and there are some of the Fire Emblem games that are, like, within continuity with each other, and, you know, some of them are, like, hundreds of years apart, and some are, like, you know, the very next generation or even later in that generation, and then some also just appear to be totally off the map entirely in yeah. a different continuity. So, so, yeah, this feels very niche to me. Um, And e- even more specifically, the, like, how Fire Emblem has really recently been kind of leaning into the waifu thing. Right, the whole uh, taking on a fictional character as your wife. Yes. Right. And uh, so there is also a season pass for where you can get all three of these DLCs. Is that 20 bucks? It's 20 bucks, and each pack individually is like $9. And if, but if you order the season pass for either the Switch or the new Nintendo 3DS version, players receive a bridal costume from Lucina for Lucina. Which, of course, they do. So, Lucina, featured heavily in Fire Emblem Awakening, uh, doesn't get married through the course of that game. So, like... She was saving herself for people who buy the season pass. I mean, I paired her up with uh, a character and, like, made them fall in love. But, like, there's no... Oh, a wedding dress makes as much sense for Lucina as it does for any other character in this game. It must be one that fans love, 
right? She must be a fan beloved character. Yeah, I think so. I mean, she's she's cool. She's got like the Marth quality. Um, plus, she's a sexy lady. So like, if yeah. oh right, she's in uh Smash. Yeah, for Wii U in 3DS, yeah, right? She's yeah, in Smash Four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so twenty bucks for the DLC, right? Um, same price for the Switch and for the 3DS. Yeah, seem- seemingly. Um, but it is not a you buy it in one place, you get it in both. It doesn't seem scenario. to be scenario. Um, which is how all of the Smash DLC was handled. Um, and in the um transition from Switch to 3DS for Hyrule Warriors, the 3DS one came later uh, and had a lot of the like first round DLC as like packed in. So if you spent more money on you know uh, on that game, um, and actually that ended up getting more DLC than the Wii U version did um, as it progressed. I just think these uh, these DLC models are are weird for uh, these games that sort of you know span two different consoles. I guess for this one because with Smash they were not really the same game. Like I I could see reason to buy both. Yeah. On uh, for Hyrule Warriors the 3DS one came later. For this one, I I wonder if the thinking behind it is people are not going to buy both because I don't think saves. Yeah. You know, it's, I yeah, don't think yeah. it's like across systems either. So you, I think you will either buy the Switch version or you will buy the 3DS version yeah. or the new 3DS version. And so I, I don't think they're as worried about um, people who have bought one and are now buying the other one. Yeah, it's just it's weird to me that also, like, if you're going to buy uh, Hyrule Warriors on the 3DS, that's going to be $39.99. If you're going to buy it on the Switch, it's going to be $59.99. And then the DLC costs the same. It's just weird to me. I don't have any other observations. It's just strange. <laughs> uh, so people were able to have, like, press were able to have hands-on with Bethesda's Doom for Ooh. the Switch that's coming this holiday. And, you know, one of Doom's hallmarks is that it's really fast-paced, and on other consoles, it has been 60 frames per second. People were wondering if the Switch was going to be able to do that as well. It looks like the port is going to be 720p and 30 frames per second, both docked and undocked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, like, for me, like, a more casual player, that doesn't affect my... uh experience or i plan to buy it either way right yeah i'm not even like i'm sure i can tell the difference but i i'm actually not convinced that i prefer 60 to 30 um i know that in watching movies i loathe the high frame rate i think it's different in games i think it is too but um yeah I, i i don't know that it uh like it's different in games in that i don't hate it in games but i'm not like oh thank god this is running at 60 frames a second I think for people who, like, obviously for fighting games mm-hmm. and for shooters like this, where frames can make a difference, especially on, like, competitive level, I think 60 frames per second. The more frames per second, obviously, the better. Again, for some, for a more casual player like myself, I don't think it'll make that big of a difference as long as it runs well at yeah. 30 frames per second. Yeah, if it's locked at 30, then great. The other thing they're doing is the single player is going to be on the game cart and mm-hmm. it'll all fit on the game cart. But if you want the multiplayer, it'll be an additional, like a separate nine gigabyte download. I think this is genius. Yeah, I think it's a great way to do it too because it, it keeps costs down for like making, for printing the game physically. And then you don't run into that weird like 
uh, NBA 2K18 thing. Right. Where it is on a cart, but you still have to download, download like 32 gigs of. Yeah. And, you know, like the, the kind of common complaint with that is like, you know, what if you're getting the game and you're in a place where you don't have reliable Wi-Fi? Well, if you don't have reliable Wi-Fi, you're not going to be playing online. You're not going to be playing the multiplayer. So, like, if you can't download the multiplayer, it's no loss to you. You know, you still have the full single-player experience. Yeah, I think it's a really good way to handle it as well. Um, well done, Bethesda. Yeah, I'm kind of excited for for this. When does this come out? November? And they There's no official date yet. There was, like, a leaked release date from a... Uh, or potential release date from a retailer in Europe that I think was December 13th or 18th. But they've been calling it holiday 2017. Okay. So... Uh, and then finally, Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle is Switch's top-selling third-party game on the Switch. Which, yeah, that's redundant. Top, yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, based on physical sales tracked in North America and Australia by NPD and Chart Track GFK. No exact numbers are known, but it makes sense to me. I mean, yeah, I think if you were to ask most people who aren't, like, super paying attention, is Mario plus Rabbids a third-party game? The answer would be no, <laughs> because Mario's in it. Yeah, it's really like a third-party on a technicality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But and also, like, it's the first blockbuster, tr- like, AAA third-party game that's been on Switch. It doesn't feel that way because there's been a lot of third-party like indie games and smaller releases that have mm-hmm. been taking up our time, but it is like the first like big blowout AAA game. Yeah, and I mean even uh you know from the the first parties, the first party, there's only one. Um that there have only been a handful of games out of Nintendo. So, yeah, uh, good good for Ubisoft. It's a great game. I I badly want to get back to it. And now that Samus Returns is done, I may have that opportunity. Mark, let's get out of the news. And that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. If you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Share it on social media platforms. We are at Nincart Society and our Facebook page. That's on Twitter. Uh, and on uh, Facebook, we are just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Uh, if you have anything you want to share with us, any questions you want to ask, or if you want to tell us we're dumb, you can send an email to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Also, be sure to um, tune in later this week because Mark and I are going to be drafting our fantasy lineups for a hypothetical Super Smash Brothers game wherein no previously used characters can be drafted. So, no Mario, no Luigi. I'm sure there are others. I think it's going to be a fun conversation. I think it's going to be good. Um, if you like Mark and Mind's opinions, you can read about what we say about comic books on RetconPunch.com. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Olivia Duncan made our new logo, which is spiffy. And Ape Betty made our music. Uh, you can listen to Ape Betty's music at ApeBetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thanks for listening. Podcast Network.